we just want you to know how much we are so blessed to have Pastor Walt as our pastor, uh, along with his wife, Patience. So I was, I was, I, tonight, as I came in uh, last week, I was told that um, I was going to be pinch hitting. So that's a baseball term. You know, uh, when the retro battery comes up and he's not there to come to the plate, then he gets a pinch hitter. So I'm pinch hitting for him tonight. And uh, I just want you to know how blessed we are uh, to have them as pastors, along with Sister Pastor Gabe of Dudley, Pastor Gabe and his wife, uh, Marcel, Marcy. And, uh, but tonight, uh, I want you to know that there's a subject that's on our heart, and I know it's on the Father's heart. And that's the, that's the thought of healing. Healing, the Bible says, the children's bread. And uh, so tonight we're going to teach on healing, and we trust that God will give some insights and revelations on it like never before. Now, one of the things uh, uh, we have here at the ministry, we have people call in, you know, for prayer requests, and, you know, you never know what it is, but a lot of them are on healing, and we're not the only ministry that does that. Okay, but we pray for the sick here. We pray for healing. We pray for God's breakthrough to come into their life and set them free from that which is plaguing them as far as sickness and disease is concerned. Now, what uh, was on my heart tonight was that in the body, as well as those who are not in the body, are sick. And so when somebody gets healed... We celebrate, we give God the praise, and we say, you know, they got their breakthrough. And then, on the other hand, you know, people calling for healing, and we pray, and they didn't get their healing yet. They didn't get their breakthrough. And so, one of the things about healing is that, is that it is God's blessing to take out sickness and disease from our bodies. And so the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We need to hear, have faith for healing. But on the other hand, my heart was heavy because when people don't get their healing, it's not that they don't get their healing, but sometimes it may be a week, two weeks, a month, six months, a year, and so forth and so on. Now, when that happens, we've got to understand that sickness has a way of causing us to, like, hunker down. Sickness has only one means, is to really incarcerate you. I actually put you by behind bars, being incarcerated, but you're at your home incarcerated. Sickness can lay you down. Sickness can take away your confidence. It can, it can break your heart. It can cause you to be in such pain that you don't want to come out the house. You don't want to move. And so Jesus understood that. That's why the Bible says he took our sicknesses. He took our diseases. But tonight, if you have your Bibles, uh, I want you to turn to Genesis, the 15th chapter, verse 13. But I want to say this. Our hearts, my heart is heavy 
on those who did not get their healing. And I'm not talking about one day, one week. Some as many as months, some as many as uh, years, and so on. And so sickness that stays in somebody that long, it begins to affect their mind, it begins to affect their thoughts, their, their, their emotions, okay? And it can really send you into hopelessness and despair. But tonight, we want, we want to focus our attention on just those individuals who didn't get their healing yet. And it's been for some time. And so it's on my heart. If it's on my heart, I know it's on God's heart for you to be healed. Now, I want us to uh, understand this as well. We're going to, I'm going to ask those of us who have been sick for extended periods of time, length of time, months, years, okay, that's who I want to focus on tonight in this regard. Because the thing is, God loves you. He's mindful and he's put on my heart to speak to you. And not that we're not speaking to somebody else who's sick, but we're talking about those who, who've been on months and years. And those who are in that situation know what I mean. Okay, so it's no uh, big secret. It's, it's, it's not something that we don't know about, but I want you to know if it's on my heart, I know it's on God's heart. So one of the things we're going to ask you for those of us who have been sick for those extended periods of time, we're going to ask you this, that we want you to believe God. I want you to receive the word tonight on healing like this is the first time you've ever heard it. That's right. I know you've been sick for a long time, years, months. But to, tonight, we're asking you, I'm asking you, to let's receive the word tonight. Because the Bible said faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Like it's your very first time. And so, I want to uh, lead you in this confession, okay? And those of us who've been sick for these lengthy period of time and, you know, and not well and still in pain or still in discomfort, okay? And, uh, and it feels like you're not getting a victory because the longer something takes when you're sick, it begins to affect your thoughts, your mind, your body, your emotions, okay? And, and, and it gives you, affects your attitude. So this is what I want you to join me in saying. I'm gonna just repeat after me. I want you to say this, Lord, Give me the grace that is your empowering presence to hear your word tonight on healing like it's my very first time. Amen. God's grace is his empowering presence to help you tonight to be able to say that, but to say it in faith. That he's giving you the grace tonight to hear this message on healing for the very first time. And you may have heard it over the years, but tonight we're asking you, the Lord's asking you to hear it for the very first time. You know something about first? 
your first date, and you know, your first time to go shopping, the first time to go on a vacation, the first time to get your driver's license, the, the first time to play ball, the first time to get on a team, amen. The first time to new, meet new friends, those firsts, it, 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 it causes you to light up. It causes you, you to be alert, anticipating. It causes you to be expecting. It, it, it causes you to, 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 you can't wait. You got that can't wait. So when we hear the word of God now for the first time, we can't wait to hear what he got to say because I'm sick. But what does he say about me getting well? What does he say about me getting healed? What does he say about this sickness leaving my body, this pain leaving my body? What does he say? Okay? And so we've asked God. You've asked God. Now, with that, I want us to look at Genesis 15, verse 13. Genesis 15, verse 13. Genesis 15, verse 13. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, that's been the people in this land, which is Egypt, and this is what's going to happen to them. They're going to be, they shall be afflicted, they'll afflict them, and look at this, 400 years. That's a long time. That carrying affliction. That's a long time to be afflicted. One day being afflicted is too much. But can you imagine 400 years? Okay. And then I want you to look at Exodus 6 9. Now, God has sent Moses to Egypt to tell Pharaoh to let his people go. And in the process of doing that, he comes across children of Israel. That was there. And the Bible says, and Moses spake unto them. But they hearkened not unto Moses. Now, the very next stanza gives a very reason why he didn't, they didn't want nothing to do with Moses. Because they were in too much pain. They were in too much sorrow. They were in too much disappointment. And see, when you get sick, it's a long time, you can be disappointed too. You can, you can, you can be frustrated. You're so involved, the sickness has so got you so that you, you don't know if you're coming or going. You don't know if you're going to have a good day or a bad day. That's what sickness can do. So, so then he goes on and says, they didn't hearken to Moses for the anguish of spirit. The Bible says, a broken spirit, who can bear it? A broken spirit, who can bear it? Because it takes your hope away, it brings discouragement, it brings frustration, it brings what the use? I, what can I do? Because I'm sick, I'm in pain. And I got this bad report from the doctor, and he's giving me no hope. Then it says, for cruel bondage. I want you to know sickness is not your friend. It's very cruel. Disease is very cruel. 
And we got to realize sickness is not our friend. It comes to take you out. Diseases come to take you out. They don't come to be your friend. And so as long as we're in this earth, we have to contend and deal that sickness because it's not going away. However, Jesus is the Lord our healer. I said one person and one person only. That's the Lord Jesus. One third of his ministry was healing. The Bible says he went about, he went about doing good in healing all those who are oppressed of the devil. This is a wake-up call. You want to know where sickness comes from? It comes from the devil. That's where it comes from. Yeah, but you can't see the devil. It makes no difference. God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went about doing good. And one of those good things he was doing was healing and destroying the works of the devil because Jesus said in John 10, 10, that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Satan is behind sickness. If Adam hadn't sinned, there had been no sickness. By him sinning, sin brings death. Okay, it brings death. So we got to realize this. So Satan goes around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And one way he devours us without Jesus is by sickness and disease. And the Bible tells us to submit ourselves to God, resist the devil, submit to God. Come on, submit to God. Be obedient to God. Walk in his ways. Be obedient to what he says. Because he says, Jesus says, the words that I'm going to speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Just because you're alive don't mean you have life. It means you're alive. If you're breathing, you are alive. Also in John 10, 10, Jesus was coming across a group of people and he said these very words. I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Now, understand they're breathing just like we are right now. We're breathing. But he says, I'm come that you might have life. Guess what they didn't have? Guess what we don't have without Jesus giving us life? We are alive. We're breathing. We got our five physical senses. Okay? But we didn't have what he came to do. Give us. So when we're born again, we receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. But we, now we are born of his spirit and we have the life of God. And the life of God is in your spirit. It's not in your body. It's in your spirit. When you get saved, it's your spirit. Okay, it's, it, it's get renewed. You get your spirit, not renewed, excuse me. Your spirit becomes alive unto God. We are a spirit. We have a soul and we live in our body. What you're looking at is not my spirit. You see the house that I live in. When I see you, I see your house. Okay, but inside this house is an eternal spirit. Okay, so 
And with that said, I want us to go back to Exodus 6, 9. And it says again, And Moses spake unto the children of Israel, but they hearkened not unto Moses for anguish of spirit. You know, when you're sick, you don't want to be bothered with people. When you're sick, your tempers, I mean, your, 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 your temper is, it rises. Oh, yes, it does. You can get angry. You can get bitter. That's right. Can't, you don't want to talk to nobody because you're not feeling good and you, and you don't have the answer how to get well. Okay? And that happens. Just, it's, it's, it's a human experience. Okay? It's a human experience. So then he goes on and says, anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. Now, where you see bondage, I want you to put sickness and disease. Because sickness and disease is a bondage. Like I said, it can incarcerate you and you're not even behind bars. But where are you incarcerated? On the couch, in the bed, not just your bed, hospital bed, in a chair. Mm -hmm. It can come across you, you can't, you don't do no recreation. You're not doing no jogging, you can't jog. Got arthritis. I, I, I can't do tennis. I can't do tennis because my blood, my, 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 my blood, my pressure, okay? I, 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 can't, I, I can't move about because I got sugar diabetes. I can't move around. I just had a stroke. I can't move. I can't run and jump. I cannot mix in society. You know how it is. Everybody moved around going, but when people are sick, they ain't moving around going. They're at a standstill. And if they're in pain, they're trying to do whatever they can to stop that pain. So when we look at bondage, let's look at it. That, that's, that's sickness. That's disease. That's infirmity. That's weakness. Sinus issues. Come on. We want to see this. So we ask God to give us his grace, his empowered presence, like it's the first time to receive this. It's not a put down. We, listen, God, grace is an empowerment to help you to be an overcomer, to help you to be the best you, to help you to be able to walk upright before the Lord. Grace don't cover sin. Grace gives you the power to be led by the Spirit so you don't have to walk in. You don't have to practice it. It's one thing to get in sin. It's another thing you practice it. See? And when you're practicing sin, you don't know you're opening up yourself for sickness and disease to come. I don't know. Sometimes we just hold back because we don't want to hurt nobody's feelings. But I'll tell you something. Nothing, one of the worst feelings is to see a loved one and they got a disease and you don't have a clue what to do. You don't have the answer of what to say. You're wringing your hands, quiet as a mouse, don't want to say nothing. Okay? Okay? Because you're thinking for the worst. I remember when I was seven years in my marriage. I was seven years in my marriage. We had three kids at the time. Five-year-old, four-year-old, and two. We have, we have four kids, but 
Her youngest son, Mark, he wasn't born yet. And, and, and my wife came home from gynecologist, and they said that she had cancer cells in her female areas. Okay, I'm seven years into the marriage. What I'm talking about, I didn't know about. Okay. And when she said the C word, literally, my heart went like it left my chest, leaped out my chest, and went to my feet. And you know how it is. I'm not by myself. When you hear the C word, you're not thinking getting better. You got D-E-A-T-H. Did I spell that right? Help me right. I did, okay? Help me with my spelling. All right? All right. I wasn't the best English person, but I knew true and false. I could get that because I knew, I knew this. They told me about true and false. They said the whole state, everything in the statement or the sentence or, or that line has to be true. And the only reason it can be false because in that sentence, there's something false in it. It got to be 100% true. So I did good in the true and false questions because I knew that was real simple for me. But how to do predicates and all that other kind of stuff, and that wasn't me. Okay, that wasn't me. But I want to say this. So when, when she came home and said that, I was thinking, man, my kids need a mother. They need their mom. And she's... And she's telling me this. But I got good news. I said, I got good news. I was given a magazine. And in this magazine, in the article, it was a Word of Faith magazine by Kenneth Hagin Ministries. And they had an article on healing. And they, and they, and they spoke about the 53rd chapter of Isaiah. In the 53rd chapter of Isaiah, I want you to turn it, I want you to listen to this. The 53rd chapter of Isaiah. In verse 4, verse 4, it says, Surely he bore our griefs. Who's the he? Jesus. Nobody else. We say, why, why you got to believe in Jesus? Why you got to believe in God? Why you got to believe in Jesus? He's the God who so loved, who so loved the world. Guess who's in the world? Us. Usins, weans, youans. We're in the world. But he so loved us that he gave his only begotten son to whosoever believe in him shall not perish. Sickness will cause you to leave this planet before your time. Because the Bible says, why die before your time? We say, well, it's their time to go. No, it's not. Who said it? If you want to know what, what God said, go to the Bible, go to the Word. Don't go to the latest magazine. Don't go to the nearest newspaper. Go to the Word of God. The Word says God sent His Word to heal us. Sent His Word to them to heal them and to deliver them from their destruction. Don't you know sickness and disease is destructive? It's not your friend. But Jesus is. He's a friend that's sticking closer than a brother. Okay, now, he says, he was bore our griefs. This word griefs is sicknesses and diseases. Now, notice what it says, he bore our griefs. Guess what? He didn't have any. Sickness, sickness and disease is, is all predicated on the human race, not him. 
He didn't have no sicknesses. Did you know they tried to kill Jesus, but he couldn't die? You know why? He had no sin in him. Guess what caused him to die? When he took your sin and my sin. Because he couldn't have no sin in him. He was born of a virgin. Jesus had blood type G. He didn't have blood type Joseph. Because if you want to know who the father is, you always go to the male. Because the male's blood is in their children's bodies. Remember, they're male or female. And so when they want to see who the dad is, they just take a blood test. It's real simple. And once you find out through the blood, you, is this the dad or not, it's going to be by his blood that he's the father of these children. It's real simple. It's not deep. Now, when we say what we call the Lord's prayers, it's really it's, it's our prayer because Jesus ain't tempted. But he was tempted all points, but he didn't sin. But what I'm saying is, uh, Jesus, when he says, our father, now hold it up. When he says, our father. Okay? Now, what makes God our father? You ever ask that question? Or you just say it. We say it at ball games. When I say ball games, in the locker room, our father was right there. We just run off through it without really the, the real impact. We just say it. We know it's nice. It means well. Leaving our temptation, but the liberty from evil. Okay, that's for us. We need to be delivered from evil. Help me to forgive those who trespass against me. Forgive me of my trespasses as those who trespass against me. Jesus ain't trespassing against nobody. We have. We did it. We've done it. He had no trespasses. We have. Okay. All right. Now, when we look at this, it says, excuse me. Let me go back. Right. So we got this right here, and it says, he carried our sorrows. The word sorrows is pains. Jesus had no pains until he took our pains. So what is this doing? It's an exchange. He paid for your healing when he went to the cross. He paid for by taking our sins, now sins and diseases, so we don't have to have them. You're not going to hear this in the barbershop. At the salon, at the sports complexes, you're not going to hear this. That's why it's important that we know what did Jesus do for us? Why did God sin? Why did he go to the cross? Why did he have to die on the cross? He couldn't die because they tried to kill him before, you know, he went to the cross. You read it, it's in the Bible. They tried to kill him, take him out, but they couldn't. He had no sin in him. That's why the Bible says the wages of sin is death. See, the enemy's job, he don't, he don't mind you, you know, having a good time and whatever you're doing, okay, doing the wrong things, puffing the wrong things, pumping the wrong things, shooting the wrong He don't care. And, it, and guess what? He, you get pleasure out of it, right? Because he wants to give you a pleasurable death. This is not a game. This is not a game. He don't really, the devil don't like you. He don't love you. He hates anything that God loves because God loves us. The devil hates us. So he got, to, he got to give you excited. If you build it up enough sense, it'll cause death. Well, let me get back to this. He carried our sorrows and our pains. And the Bible says, yet we did esteem him, stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Okay? Isaiah 53, 5. But he was wounded. Notice this. For our transgressions, he had none. 
man, Jesus is our substitute. He's taking your place. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace or well-being was upon him. Now notice this. And with his stripes, we are healed. So when I heard that, that was the first time I heard it. When I got that magazine. Pastoring and then preaching somewhere or teaching somewhere. Pastoring is like having a family. Preaching means you're single. You're church invites you to preach, go to and preach. They invite you to speak at this, at this event, you go over and speak. Okay? But when you're pastoring, it's a whole different ball game. You got other people's families coming in. And guess what? They have some challenges. Okay? And, 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 and so we're going to, we have to give them, that's why you have to give people the word of God. We can't give you our opinions. We have to give you the word of God. We can't give you what we think. We have to give you the word of God. So during this time, this is 1979. During this time, from 1979 to 19, during that time, I was at a prayer meeting. What is prayer? Talking to God. That's what prayer is, talking to God. And then you get still and let him talk back to you. Oh, yes. God can talk back to you. I remember the first time I heard him spoke, speak to me. I was in gym class. Excuse me, not gym class. I was in health class. And Mr. Wright at that province was my health teacher. He's also my baseball coach. And I'm just sitting there. All of a sudden, I thought this trick across my head. What kind of father are you going to be? I'm 11th grade. Father I'm going to be. I just went on. And then I went to college. And I played a fraternity. Wrong move. Should have never did it. Got caught up in it. And it got to the point where I saw my life wasn't going right. I told him I quit. I quit. I'm out. Don't come to me. Now you want to hear about the word. I'm, I'm, I'm out. I don't care who's pleasure. I don't care who's going over. I'm out. Because it came back to me again. What kind of father are you going to be? And one thing I know, that my father loved us, my sisters and I, I love my kids. I want to be there for them. I want to be available. I want to speak into their lives. Okay, let me get off of that now. Okay, so we're at a prayer meeting on Wednesday night. Never forget, we was at a Pentecostal church at that time. And Pastor Strand, Hard Strand, we were praying. My wife is home. Praise God, we were praying for those who were sick. We were praying for those who needed healing, those who were afflicted, you know, that God would touch them. And I never forget, it's over, and I go back in. When I come through the door, my wife comes down the little three-step uh, stairway, when you call it, I don't know what you call that, uh, little upgrade, whatever. And she said, while you were there praying, you all praying, I felt H-E-A-T. What's that? That's heat. She said she felt heat in her female organs or areas. Excuse me. Went back to the gynecologist. Gone. Didn't lay hands on her. Didn't speak anything. Prayer. God answers prayer. God answers prayer. Amen. That's why he says, if you ask the Father anything in his name, in Jesus' name, he would give it to us. Now, 
Now, that's prayer is so important. We have to learn how to pray. We've got to be taught the things of God. All right, now let's get back to uh, uh, Exodus 6, 9. It said, and it was a spirit in a cruel bondage. Now, it wasn't so much they were in bondage, but how long were they in the bondage? Now, when God spoke to Abraham, he said, they're going to be afflicted for 400 years. We're afflicted for a day, months, weeks, years, not 400. But whether it's 400, one day, 15 days, 30 days, 36 months, let me tell you something. Wait, that is bondage. That is bondage. And they were in bondage for 400 years. And then when we get to Exodus 12, in verses uh, 40 and 41, verse 40 says, Exodus 12, verse, verses 40 and 41, it says that the children of Israel, they sojourned down in Egypt for 430 years. That's a long time to be in bondage. I said that's a long time to be in bondage. Okay? And for 400 years, they were being treated Okay, like stepchildren, they were treated like they had no dignity. They were treated and disrespected. But you got to understand something. That Egypt was a type of the world and Pharaoh's a type of the devil. And he was putting it to him. He was putting it to him. Now, I want to get to this. In chapter 12. Of Exodus. God has sent Moses down to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And the Lord speaks to him again. This is in uh, Exodus chapter 12, verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, this, this month shall be unto you the beginning of months, and it shall be the first month of the year to you. Okay, so then in verse 3 is, where I'm, is, the, is the opposite verse. It says, Speak ye to the congregation of Israel, saying in the tenth day of the month, they shall take to them every man a lamb, and according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. Now, how about this? The lamb is representing Jesus. The lamb is representing Jesus. He's the lamb to take away the sins of the world. Okay? Okay? It's talking about Jesus. If you want to find Jesus, you can find it from Genesis to Revelations. In the Old Testament, Jesus is concealed. But in the New Testament, he's revealed. Amen. Okay. Verse 4. If the household be too little for a lamb, what this actually means is be too little for the lamb, for the, for the household be too little. That means they got a big lamb. Okay. And and, and they couldn't, it was, too, it was too much lamb for them to eat. So what they had to do, they go to the neighbor's house, okay, and then spread it out to everybody so everybody could eat as just as much as they could eat because none was supposed to be wasted at that time, okay? So that's what he says in verse 4. If the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbors next to his house take according to the number of souls. Every man according to his eating. Only take what you can eat. 
and shall make you count and make your count for the lamb. And this lamb has to be without blemish. Jesus had no sin. Jesus wasn't evil. Jesus wasn't hateful. He wasn't lying, stealing, cheating. He wasn't a crook. No, Jesus wasn't cussing people out. Jesus wasn't getting high. Jesus wasn't hitting on women. Jesus, he, he didn't come in sin. He came to die. He said, Father, prepare me a body. Jesus came here to die. He didn't come here to stay. He came here to accomplish God's purpose, and that was to, to die on that cross so we could be reconciled back to God, so God could become our Father. So He took the punishment that was due us, He took our sins. Wherever, what, when the Bible says diseases, it didn't say just cancer, because if He just took cancer, then I hear I got scoliosis, but He didn't. He took cancer, so I'm left out. So God, in wisdom, said He took our diseases. So every disease that's on this planet is included in diseases. Every sickness that's on this planet is included. He took our sicknesses. So whatever your sickness is, he took it. Whatever ailment you have, he took it. Whatever pain we experience right now, he took it. I, that's good news, guys. I said that's good news. Jesus came to give us good news. We got enough bad news. He came to give you good news. Nothing encourages you or picks you up like good news. You know, when you're around people that are always complaining, you can't hardly wait to get out of there. You're not even playing. You're not, you don't even complain. But once you get around and complaining, you end up going back home taking complaining. <laughs> We're guilty of that. We're guilty of that. We're trying to get in somebody else's business. You're doing good. And they're just running somebody down. You don't even know the person. You just hear what they're talking about, okay? And then when you see the person, you're looking at them weird. They didn't done anything to you, but you got caught up in a conversation that wasn't even yours. We got to watch what we hear. You have to watch what you hear. Because the Bible says the measure you hear it in, whatever it is, it's going to be measured back to you. You hear junk, it's going to be measured back to you. You hear about Lying and stealing, it's going to be measured back to you. You start listening about, to people who don't like a certain person, it's going to be measured back to you. The Bible says you got to guard your heart because out of your heart comes the issues of life, the way you're going to roll, the way you're going to go, what you're going to do. It's about what you hear. And here's the thing we got to realize this. All of us are going to follow somebody. You're going to follow somebody. And all of us are going to Listen to somebody. The thing is, who you listen to, are they right? What you're following is the right right. You've got to order your steps. You've got to understand. You don't want to put yourself in a position where it's going to be your detriment. Amen. Amen. All right, we're still talking about healing. Just want to throw that in. Okay, so, so when we talk about Bondages. Associate now. Bondages with the length of time. 
Well, from 400 years to 430 years. That's a long time to be infirm. So, so we're getting there. Now, Jesus is the lamb. He's the lamb. Okay? Verse 5, it says, he's the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish. That's talking about Jesus. A male. Wasn't Jesus a male? Yes, he was. You know, when God made man, how did God make him? Male and female. Okay? And you have to understand about God. Whatever he says, that's what happens. When God said, let there be light, guess what happened? Light happened. When God made the oceans, guess what? They're still here. Whatever he says, it's going to function just like it happened, just like he says. God says, I watch over my word to perform it. Healing is a word from God. Jesus' ministry was healing. I said that. He went around doing good and healing people. So we got to really take a hard look and really embrace this. Bondage, sickness is not our friend. It does not come to make you feel good. It's called dis-ease. Dis-ease. You're not feeling well. You don't feel like doing something when you got dis-ease. You just lay around. Think hoping it's going to get better. Take a pill here. Do something to get the fever down. Because why? When you're in bond, it, 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 it mobilizes. It, you, you, you're not active. It's not that you can't be active. You can't be at your best sick. You can't be at your best in pain. You can't be at your best with a migraine. You can't be at your best with oppression and depression. Jesus took all of that. He, I said he took all of that. Now, so we go on. In verse uh, five, your lamb shall be without blemish. A male of the first year. Take away from the sheep. Take away from the goats. Verse 6. And you shall keep it until the 14th day of the month. And of the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. Now. And then he says in verse 7. And you shall take the blood. When Jesus went to the cross. They beat him so bad. They pierced him. He was covered with blood. And the Bible says without the shed of blood, there's no remission of sins. Jesus shed his blood to put us in right standing with God. Everything Jesus did was to put us in the best place with our Heavenly Father. God's not in heaven mad at you. The Bible says if we, being evil, meaning subject to do wrong, can do good things for our kids. I know you as parents, you try to do the best thing for your kids. We as well. But we're subject to do wrong. How much more our Heavenly Father? How much more our Heavenly Father? Will give to us. Our Heavenly Father. He can, he can, listen, God cannot, can, God can exceed us in every way. The Bible says he's able to go above what I can ask, think, or feel. That's what he does. He can go above it. Now, as we go back, and we're looking at this. He's telling them how to eat it. Okay? He's telling them how to eat it. Verse 8. They shall eat the flesh at that night, roasted fire, unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Okay? And then 
Verse 10, we'll drop down there. It says, and don't leave nothing. Don't let it remain till the morning. Okay? But whatever remains, you burn it with fire. Okay? And thus shall you eat it. Now, notice this, guys. You shall eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. It's the Lord's Passover. Okay? Now, what the Lord spoke to me when I saw this. See, God had told Moses what to tell him, and now they start being obedient. See, obedience, God's plan to reward our life. Okay? God can't reward disobedience. So they were being obedient to everything that the Lord told Moses to tell them. They were telling the people what to do, and the people were in compliance. Rebellion, the Bible says, that like witchcraft. It's like witchcraft. God is telling you the truth because he wants to give you freedom. Freedom is obeying God. Freedom is, is just do what he says. Do what he says. Because he always has a better outcome than we can ever plan or, or put together for ourselves. Because you know what? The Bible says he knows the end from the beginning. God knows the outcome of everything. God knows the end from the beginning. God's not trying to figure anything out. It's already been, he's already established how it's supposed to be. And he's an unchanging God. Every generation has to experience when they get to this planet and find out who God is, who Jesus is. Every generation has to be evangelized. My parents told me about the Lord. Their parents told them about the Lord. Here come my kids. We told them about the Lord. Now I got grandkids. We got to tell them about the Lord. Every generation needs to know how good God is and his thoughts and his plans for us are for good and not for evil. Healing is a good thing. Being set free from a sickness that's been plaguing you for years, months, or however, or however how long. It's a good thing. So it goes on, and we're going to look at verse 13. In the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, oh my gosh, I will pass over you and the plague shall not come upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Okay? And then he says, wherever God tells you or tells us as parents, he wants us to tell our kids. And I think we've drawn back into that. We've drawn away from it. Because why? I got more money now. I'm living better than I ever lived before, okay? And, 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 and we're out there just cruising and kicking it and all that kind of stuff. But I'm telling you something. By you kicking it and cruising, it don't stop disease. I don't care what nationality it is. The Bible says God is no respecter of person and neither the devil. He don't care whether you, sit or you, you die of sickness, disease, or heart attack. Disease does not respect any nationality. And once you say it does, then bring that nationality to me. If we go down there, there lineage, somebody died of something. Somebody died of some type of disease, some type of sickness. God is no respecter of persons. He doesn't love me more or less than he loves you. God loves you for you, not stand you. 
but you coming to him and then obeying what he tells us to do. He said, no good thing will I hold from anybody if they walk up right before me. It's not about pleasing your friends. The Bible said this, and this was powerful. He said, when a man's ways please God, he would cause all his enemies to be at peace with them. The word of God says, when a man or woman ways, boy or girl, ways, how you're living, how you're conducting yourself, how you're walking, are you walking in, in, the, in the will of God, or the statutes of God, the commandments of God, the word of God? He said, when, my, when that person pleases me, I'm going to make all his enemies be at peace with him. Man, that's something we need to press into. I got a lot of enemies. You can get enemies where I know you got enemies. Just, just buy something new to get upset. You know, you, you get something new, they didn't get something new. You got, you got parents who love you, they don't have parents who love you. It's just, it's just, because that's all the enemy brings confusion. That's all he does. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Okay, now, he says, In this day shall it be for you a memorial. And you'll keep the feast of the Lord throughout all. Notice this, generations. That's why it says every generation needs to be evangelized. They need to be told who God is, what Jesus did for them. And you shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. Now, now when that came time to leave Egypt, when it came time to leave Egypt, God said to them, go on your way. Go over here and borrow jewels and borrow these nice things from the Egyptians. Now, the thing that got me, borrow means is if you give me something and it's yours, then I'm supposed to bring it back to you and give it back. God was telling them, go get what you should have gotten, but they oppressed you. They kept you down. They didn't do right by you. And they were happy because when that death angel came, it took out their firstborn. It took out their firstborn. So Pharaoh was happy to let them go. Now understand this. Uh, Psalm 105, verse 37 says, He brought them forth. Now, it was over 600,000 men. I don't know the count of the boys, the girls, or the women, but it was millions that came out. Four, five, six million, I don't know. Now, if you guys know the exact number, you know, I'm not so full of pride that you can say, listen, Pastor, you didn't, I mean, Brother Jones, you didn't get it right. Overseer, you didn't get it right. This is what it is. And I'll gladly say thank you, and I appreciate it, because I'm not here to try to, on purpose, get it wrong. But I know it was 600,000 men. And then you count women, children, okay? And, you just, and it just goes to millions. Four, five, six million, I don't know. But something like that, okay? Now, here's the, here, here is the part we want to get to. They were in bondage for those many years, and their bodies were broken down. Not just slaves, but their bodies were broken down. They, they, uh, Pharaoh was a hard taskmaster. And like I told you, the enemy is a, is, is a hard taskmaster. Okay? And so here's the thing. In Psalm 105, verse 37, it says this. 
He brought them forth. Now they're leaving Egypt. He's bringing them forth with silver and gold because they didn't get paid when he was down there. It was, they was getting treated rotten. Okay? But remember we said about bondage. Sickness does you rotten. Disease does you rotten. Take your health, take your joy, take your peace, take your hope, take your dreams. That's what it does. Sickness and disease is an enemy. Bondage is an enemy. To be in bondage of sickness or the bondage of infirmity or the bondage of disease is it's, it's terrible. It's terrible. It's harmful. It's, it, it hurts. And you feel so helpless. But Jesus. Okay, but Jesus. Okay, so you brought him out with silver and gold, and it says, not a feeble one, not, no one in bad health, after being in bondage for 450 years. 430, 430, excuse me, 430 years. Okay. Being in bondage for all that time. And they come out. Everybody's healthy. And then, along came Jones. Nope, along came the Lord. Okay. Exodus 15, 26. And God speaks. And he says this. If you will diligently hearken or listen to my voice of the Lord your God, and will do that with, notice this, which is right, not in my sight, in God's sight. And will give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. Now notice what it says. Now understand what this, this is written in the causative sense. This is written in the causative sense. He says, I will put none of those diseases which I put upon thee. Okay, understand this. God doesn't put disease on us. When we, when we don't obey God, we open ourselves for the devil to bring sickness and disease to us. That's how critical this is. This is not a game. Did you ever notice, listen, if you're in the sports, there's only, it's in the sports. You always have an opponent, right? So what do you call them? They're the enemy. It's, you cannot play a game on a baseball diamond, soccer field, you name it, tennis court. There's always somebody else trying to stop you. As long as you're in this world, the enemy is trying to stop you. And one of the ways he tries to stop us is through sickness and disease. As long as you play sports, you won't have an opponent trying to keep you from scoring, getting points, winning. The Lord wants us to show forth his praise and to show forth his glory that he is good. The Bible says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. When you taste healing, it lets you notice God is good. When you taste it, what do you mean you taste it? Do I uh, kiss my finger on my arm or whatever? No, no, no. Uh -uh. You start to experience his goodness, his mercy to you. His mercy to you. I've done things growing up. <laughs> Could have been in a bad way. I remember, and then we'll get right back to this. Listen to this. I went to a cabaret. After New Year's Day service at the church. We're in the church, and Lord, man, 
and we wait till after it's over, and our parents go back home. We get in the car, we go to this place where they're, you know, we're dancing and getting, uh, dancing and having fun, whatever. All of a sudden, shots rang out. Just left God's haven, God's security, God's protection. And we get out there with people who had the wrong spirit. Had the wrong spirit. They started shooting. We started running. Now, I drove and they're following me. We run into a I run into a closet. I run to this closet and everybody piles up on me. I'm thinking right out the door. You know, when you get in the wrong place, when you start running, every place is the wrong place. See, that's why we can't let the devil dictate to us our behavior, our emotions, our speech, how we feel about somebody or not feel about somebody. God loved us. And he died for us. The Bible says when I was in my sins, in my transgressions, not when I was good, not when I was doing right. He died for me when I was sinning, when I messed up. That's a good God. I said, that's a good God. Okay. And then he says this. I will put none of these diseases upon you, which I brought upon the Egyptians. For I am the Lord that healeth thee. Now understand this. He brought them forth with silver and gold, and nobody was feeble, but they didn't know who did it. So then as they're going through, they get to this point, and, and they needed water. It's thirsty, and it was bitter. Told me, look at this tree and dip it in the water. And the Lord spoke up. I just want you to know who did this. I am the Lord. And I healed you. And I healed you. That's, what I'm, that, that's who I am. That's what I do. Whatever God calls himself, that's what he does. God is committed to his word. To watch over his word. To perform it. To make it good in our lives. Make it good in our lives. So then we go over to, where is it? Excuse me here. Let's go to, uh, yes, Matthew chapter 16. Now, when Isaiah said he took our infirmities and bare our diseases, Matthew is confirming what Jesus came to do. So how do we know that Jesus was the right one? Because this was 700 years before Matthew, before Jesus shows up. So when Jesus shows up, he's got to be doing what Isaiah the prophet, God had him prophesy that Jesus would do when he got to the planet. So in the Old Testament, he's concealed, but now he's manifesting, he's revealing himself that he's the one, the way, the truth, and the life. So Matthew 8.16. And when even was come, that's what they did. They brought to him many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word. And he healed how many? All that was sick. When the Lord says, I am the Lord that healeth thee, he healed out those millions that came. When he sent Moses, down there to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. So Moses said, who shall I say send me? He said, tell him this, tell him I am. This same I am is also a healer. That's right. He healed all. 
that were sick. Okay, verse 17. Verse 17 says that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah prophet, saying himself, here again, took our infirmities and took or bare our sicknesses. Why did he do it? He don't want us sick. He don't want us disease. Jesus is our best friend. When push comes to shove, he's your only friend. He's the only friend that can stick us closer than a brother. Okay. Here's the other one I want to look at. This is in Mark chapter 6, verse 34. We're going to go quickly here because we're going to round this up. And Jesus came out, saw much people, and moved with compassion toward them because they were as like sheep, not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Notice this. One of the qualities of Jesus is compassion. That means he really wants to see you get better. He really has your best interest. He really wants to see you be at your best health-wise, emotional-wise, physical-wise, mental-wise. Yes, he does. And then Mark 9.22. And it talks about this father who had a son. He said it would oftentimes cast him into the fire. Can you imagine the spirit makes him go into a fire? I'm talking about flames. And into the water. To what? To drown him. To destroy him. If thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus had compassion and broke that offer his, his son. So I'm saying to us, we've got to. Do you remember... When God promised, uh, get ready close, God promised Isaac a son, a son between his wife and himself, not his handmaid. And so when we pick it up here in verse 17, it says, verse 17 of Romans, chapter 4, Romans Chapter 4, verse 17. It says, As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him, talk about uh, Abraham, he believed even God. If you're going to believe anybody, believe God, believe his word, believe his son, believe the Holy Spirit has been sent to help us. That's what we have to believe in. Put a hope in. Okay? Made him father of many nations. Before him he, he believed, even God, who quickened the dead and called us those things to be not as though they were. And notice this. It says, against hope. Notice this. He believed in hope. Okay? The first hope is I hope so. God don't want you guess what I hope so. I hope I can win. I hope I can do better. I hope it works out. God wants you to be confident and assured that it's going to work out. Then he went from natural hope to supernatural hope. Oh, my God. And God gets into that one. Okay? Goes, let's look at this. When he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. She couldn't have children. And, and, and Abraham wanted to know, how can this be? And God said this to him. 
Is anything too hard for me? Is any sickness or disease too hard for God? I don't care what the doctor says. You're talking about big G-O-D, not small G-O-D. We're talking about the God who made the heavens and earth. The God who made man, the God who made creation. The Bible says this about Jesus. All things were made by him. All things were held together by him. And all things consist because of him. You don't realize why Jesus needs to get the praise. Because he's keeping you together. And if we don't love him, we'll be too busy trying to cause what he's trying to keep together to fall apart. Sickness, disease, infirmity takes the very breath away. I said, the Bible says, why well, die before our time? And then in Psalm 91, it says, God said this, with long life will I satisfy you and show you my salvation. Salvation is sozo, wholeness, soundness, wellness, healing, deliverance. It's an all-inclusive work. The same God who saves you from your sins and gets you born again is the same God to heal your body when it's sick. Because whether you're sick or you need to be, born, to be sick or need to be saved, the power of God is the same for both. God don't have another power for to get you saved, then another power to get you healed. It's the same power that saves you. It's the same power that, that caused you to be healed. So then it says this about Abraham. We go on. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strong in faith, giving glory to God, being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Paul says this in Romans 15, 13. It's an awesome prayer. And I'm saying to you that your, your healing hasn't manifested yet or your, your condition hasn't changed yet. But I'm here to tell you, I got good news. Paul said this. This is how it, can happen. This is how it happens. And it will happen. He said, may the God of your hope this is a supernatural hope of expectation for good. It's a supernatural hope for expectation of getting healed. It's a supernatural hope. This ain't man's hope. This is God's hope. It's, it's a supernatural expectation. That's what he gave Abraham. He was 100 years old, too old to have a baby. Here's his wife. Her womb is now dead. De dead. Okay? She can't have a child. But is anything too hard for God? No. No. God said on such and such a day, you and Sarah are going to have this child, and the child was, was Isaac. And because, because they were going through much turmoil, one of them could have worked, not work. He said, name him Isaac. What does Isaac mean? Laughter. When God heals you, brings you through, you're going you're gonna to start rejoicing. You're going to start laughing. You're going to start giving praise because nobody can do, what, can do what God can do. Nobody has done for us what Jesus has done. That's why Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the truth because everything else is a lie. He's the way because he's the only way. He's not some way. He's the only way. And then he says, I'm the life. And everything outside of life got death attached to it. Today, you may, you know, you, 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 I just want you to know God wants you well. The blood of Jesus, 
was shed for you. He took stripes on his back for your healing. So Paul says, may the God of hope, notice this, fill you with joy. This is how the Amplified Classic. May the God of hope and expectation for good fill you with joy. What does the Bible say about joy? The joy of the Lord is your strength. When God starts filling your hope, joy is going to start springing forth. And it's going to start strengthening your, your tissues. It's going to start strengthening your, your cells. It's going to start strengthening you, your muscles, your body, your heart. Amen. It's going to start strengthening you to wellness, to wholeness, and soundness, and restoration. Peace and believing. Therefore, you're not doubting because you now you got a supernatural hope. You don't have a natural hope. you got a supernatural hope that calls you to believe and experience, release your faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And when we come to God, we must believe that he is who he says he is and that he is a rewarder. What's the reward of believing God if you're sick? Healing, restoration, deliverance. How? By the power. Understand this. Nothing can change sickness but the power of God. Nothing can change disease but the power of God. It's not about you lifting weights, making a, 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 what we call a mental positive confession. That don't stop sickness and disease because it takes the power of God to change sickness and make your body well. Cancer, nothing's too hard for God. God wants you to believe. He wants you to receive this supernatural hope of expectation for good to come out with all joy, not some joy, and peace and believing through experience of your faith. Until you get saved, you got faith is just substance. But then once you get saved, you get manifestation. He, he drives out the cancer. He drives out the, uh, the sickness. He drives out bone diseases. He drives out mental oppression. He drives it out by the power of the Holy Ghost. Now notice this. May you abound and be overflowing, bubbling up over with hope. Praise God. He's the hope. He's our hope. Never lose your hope. Never lose your hope. Keep hoping. Keep believing. Amen. And God's going to come through. He's going to come through and show you who he is, that he is. Nobody else is the Lord that heals thee. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Can you give God some praise? Come on, let's give God some praise for who he is, what he's done. He's already sent Jesus. He don't have to do it again. Jesus, he only died once. He ain't got to die again. The Bible says he died once. Okay? But he's a resurrection. He's not dead. He got up. No other person, no other deity has done what Jesus has done. Everybody's got died, got, got their God. Everybody got their religion. But we got the only one who died and rose again by the Spirit of God. And by the way, when they took him down on the cross, they put his body in the tomb. But Jesus went down to the pits of hell and made a show of the show openly in front of every demon, Satan himself. The Bible says he went down and, and destroyed principalities and powers, made a showing over them 
triumphing, triumphing over them, taking the keys of death and hell. And on that time of leaving, he said, on that time of leaving, he said this, I've got the keys to death and hell. The devil don't control this thing. My kingdom is here. My kingdom is righteousness to put you in right to take care of the sin issue. My kingdom is peace because that's what you get when you're tormented. He gives you peace. And then righteous peace and joy. When you get healed, joy comes. Praise God, praise God. So.